Luke chapter 9, verse 49 is where we'll be. Luke chapter 9, verse 49. Now John answered and said, Master, We saw someone casting out demons in your name. And we forbade him because he does not follow us. But Jesus said to them, do not forbid him. For he who is not against us is on our side. Let me help you. Lord, I saw a Baptist believe in you and doing the things that your word says he would do, and I told him to stop doing it. Yeah, I don't think that's what it says. It is. Lord, I saw, I saw a United Pentecostal working miracles in your name, and I told them to stop it because they don't believe. Do it just like we did it. I'm telling you that God has a church. And Jesus said to him, do not forbid him. For he who is not against us is on our side. And now it came to pass when the time had come for for him to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent messengers before his face. And as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him, but they did not receive him because his, because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And when his And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, (laughs) do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them just just as Elijah did? Jesus was on a mission, y'all. Do you see that? And it wasn't an easy mission. He had his face set towards Calvary. But he turned and rebuked them and said, do you, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. They didn't want him there, you know what he did? Moving on. And now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and 
birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And then he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the, be- let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and preach the kingdom of God. And also, and another also said, Lord, I will follow you. But let me first go and bid farewell, bid them farewell who are in my house or who are at my house. And Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and is looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Verse 62 again, but Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and is looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. I wrote down just one thought tonight that I'm still trying to get my mind around myself. And it is this, that nothing is comfortable. Nothing is comfortable. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Lord, if we could call on you again to send the teacher, the one that anoints the word and makes it come alive in our heart. Let us hear tonight. Speak to your people through your word, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. No one having put his hand to the plow is looking back. No one that is having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Nothing is comfortable. I reflect often, I think I mentioned it Wednesday night, that I reflect often on the days that I knew I was coming to Texas, but wasn't here yet. And it was such a grand change. It was literally, in my case, a case of leaving behind everything I've ever known. Save my wife and youngest children. I was leaving other children behind. At the time of my mother behind. <laughs> Pretty much by herself. 
just to follow God. Oh, I, I, I try not to think too much on the details or I'll start thinking I was crazy. On a one-year deal. It was on a one-year deal. Sell it all, load it all up, move to Texas. We'll elect you for a one-year term. That's crazy. In fact, it was so crazy, if I hadn't have heard from God and not a board. Now, I'm not talking nasty about a board. They, just, they can do what they want to in that case. I'm just talking about, y'all just don't know me. Well, you're starting to know me. I had said many times to many preachers, they said, you're asking you to move across the country and they're giving you two years, they're giving you a year. I said, you tell them to, which nostril to sniff that through. Because they're wanting you to commit everything to them and nothing to you. Yeah. You know, that's why you haul such a big business because of preachers. Yeah, some don't ever even unhook. What are we talking about? Nothing's comfortable. I'm working through some things right in front of you. When you're going to follow the Lord and do anything for Him, it won't be comfortable. It won't be comfortable. It will not be comfortable. He's going to ask you for things that you didn't know you could give. Stretch you further than you knew that you could stretch. Ask you for more than you ever thought you could give. Remember praying, Lord, help me. Because there'll have to be change and help them be able to change. That's true of every pastoral transition. But I said and mentioned it a week or so ago. I'll never, I remember when I told Brandon. That day the Lord told me, he said, I'm going to change you as much as I change them or more. And he is has been and continues to. Now, I do have a question and I can't answer it by myself. But I can ask it as a pastor. Maybe even ask it before but it's fresh to me tonight. Who are we as a church? Who are we? And who do we want to be? Status quo? Milk toast? Sectarian? That's what Jesus was addressing in those verses I first. Lord, they're, they're, they're doing things in your name and they're not like us. Do you want to go into the village and do you, do you want us to call fire down on them? You know, they're just like, 
it was just like then, just like it is now. It became about the demonstration and about the power and about, you know, it wasn't about the people. That certainly wasn't about the people. Lord, do you want us to be like Elijah and pray and call down fire on them? <laughs> Having forgot, I suppose, that that event was about saving the people, not about destroying the people. It was about destroying the prophets of Baal and, 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 and the idol worshipers. It wasn't about destroying the nation. Of, it wasn't about destroying God's people, who he was trying to reach. Who, do, who are we? That's the question I'm asking. Uh, I, I'm in a place that I've never been. And some of you may even wonder what goes on here and what's going on. There, there are times when God begins dealing in situations and in churches and in individual lives that there's things that begin to go against the grain and you don't even understand what you're feeling. You can't even process what's going on, yet you know something's going on. You, you, can, you can sense that, that feeling. Am I, am I the only one? fine preaching this morning timely word this morning absolutely dead on the mark this morning last week Dean Caldwell hit this church right square between the eyes four services in a row every service not just a, an evangelist that yeah I don't believe I don't know that Dean Caldwell has a written down sermon <laughs> right between the eyes he's dealing with us who are we who are we? That's, that's what he's dealing with me about. Who are you? And who are you willing to be? That's tough. That's a tough. When the Spirit of God begins to deal with you, ask you those kind of questions, those are not easy questions. Because when, he, when that begins to happen, it's always what he's asking for, as it says here in John chapter 9. But do you, do you see what Jesus, when people said, I want to follow you, and they begin to say no, very normal things that people would do to change, to change directions in life. Do you agree? None of it seems unreasonable to me. But Jesus' reply in three, in three separate occasions was, now's the time. He said, if anyone sets his hand to the plow, looking back, he's not worthy of the kingdom of God. You can't start it. You can't start it if you're not intending to go forward with it. There's no time for anything else. He's literally asking for everything. He's asking for everything. Can I ask him rhetorical questions about watch your faces? Do you know you answer rhetorical face, questions all the time? Does anybody find themselves in a moment alone or in the night or whenever it might be that you have some quiet time where you're literally sitting and the only thing you can think about is who am I and what's, and what's going on in me? 
Lord, what are you dealing with me? Where are you taking me? Where am I going? And but when you when you look at you, when you look at you, what you see is your shortcomings and your inexperience and your inability and your unworthiness, even your unholiness. And yet he's still pushing you in that direction. Anybody? Who are we? Heather Ann, he always asks for more than we think we can give. Further than we think we can go. Nothing's comfortable. It's a much more comfortable position to preach peace and safety. I believe it was Jeremiah that prophesied of, a, of the time when they would preach peace peace when there is no peace. I believe Paul wrote to the churches and he, he said when they cry peace and safety what? Then there's sudden destruction. I'd, read, I'd written down the quote it was in my notes in my, one of my binders from notes that I found from several months ago and I'd written down it says that to, to declare war at a time of peace is rebellion. To declare peace at a time of war is treason. I think, who are we? First of all, I, I have to answer, who am I? But you know, the who am I affects who we are completely. I know a few things that I am. I'm determined. I'm determined. I'm determined. I've made up my mind that I'm going to follow him to the best of my ability every day of my life when it's hard and when it's a mountaintop. I made him promises a long time ago. I was talking to Paris about it. We were talking about some things and he was reflecting on some things he had heard me preach and others had talked about. And he, of course, he's kind of the cut from the same cloth. And I, he says, how do, you, how do you do that? How do you continually do that? 
I'll tell you how. I remember the things that I committed to him. I hope you're hearing me tonight. We're going to pray here in a minute. I re- Jeff, I remember the things that I committed to him. Whenever I said I would preach the gospel. I said, I'll go through any door you open. I got to pastor at Grayson because of that statement. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll go any, through any door you open. Anywhere. And that's why I do it. And I'll say anything you ask me to say. Now sometimes I wish I hadn't said that. I'll say anything. And if anybody think that, if you're gonna if you're gonna speak for God, uh, I think we have forgotten that the fivefold ministry speaks for God. The fivefold ministry speaks for God. I'm not talking about some some strange doctrine where a man speaks from the seat of Peter. The vicar of Christ on earth, some stupid stuff like that. I'm talking about that the word of God, what the word of God says, and you and you and you live in his spirit, and when he when he reveals his word for that time and that moment, you'll say it. You say, oh, that's the word of God, that ought to be easy. How about you try it? I'll say anything you lay on my heart. I've been faithful to that to the best of my ability. Doesn't make you popular sometimes. In fact, it thins your circle, reduces your friends list. Don't let me say that. (laughs) Heather said, keep it to yourself. (laughs) Yeah. Who are we? And I really am asking the question because I'm, I'm, I'm struggling in some things right now because part of me knows exactly what to do and the other part of me thinks the world's not ready for that. And the other part of me says, well, it's that thing that just doesn't let you go. And, and, and I, who, are, who are we? And I'm beginning, I can tell you what's happening. Is it, is it okay that I'm just... I'll tell you what's happening. I, I'm beginning to struggle with some things that are just a matter, becoming a matter of conscience. Does that make sense? Things that are just becoming a matter of conscience. I'm talking about, have you ever had an association all of your life? Maybe it's a family thing. Let me talk to you about that. Have you, have you ever been where family puts you in really bad positions and you just stayed in that position because they were family? Oh, y'all all have great Thanksgiving dinners in Texas. I'm sorry. I'm going over here to Peggy. She's from Arkansas. Have you ever been there? 
where even a family becomes a, I'm trying to find things that you can relate to to understand where I'm at, where it becomes a matter of conscience. You're not, you know, you know, you know Mamaw says, no, oh, don't say nothing. Oh, oh, don't say anything. Just let it go. Just, just let it go. Don't say anything. <laughs> Come on, just, let, just, just, and, I, and, 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 and you know, the first time or two, you're able to do that because you're going to honor Memo. <laughs> she said, "Then Memo died." <laughs> well, that's where that's, then that's where the war came at the funeral because <laughs> she wasn't there to make peace anymore. You know what? It's funny you say that. It's funny you say that because you were crying peace, peace when there was no peace. You know what happens? And you know what happens in, in friendship situations or family situations when it's peace, peace, and when there really when never was any peace, and it's peace and safety, and all of a sudden, one day, it was the right time or the wrong time and the wrong day and the wrong place, and you'd had enough. And you know what happened then? Sudden destruction. And man, you burn it down. Hello? No, I'm talking about things that become a matter of conscience. Man, I'm in a place where things are becoming a matter of conscience to me. But I'm not an island. I'm not a, I'm not a man unto myself. I don't, I, I don't. But how long, how long can you go on? Acting like everything's okay when everything's not okay. Like we're all the same when we're not all the same. Like every, hello? That's where we are. That's why Mag Church is a little different than the church you've been to before or the church down the street or the church that's... It's not the only one. I want you to know uh, I'm, uh, I, I'm ahead of Elijah. Elijah thought he was the only one. I know that I'm not the only one. There's plenty of other people in the same position. But what are we going to do? Who are we going to be? Nothing is comfortable. What I'm beginning to understand about nothing is comfortable because nothing that you do for God is comfortable. The position of, if it's comfortable in this old world, in this environment, I can assure you it's a compromised position. In our institutions, it's becoming to the place if it's comfortable, you go along to get along. That you're in a bad position. Nothing that you do for God. So, <coughs> do you know why people start and stop?
It's amazing what Jesus said. He who sets his hand to the plow and turns back is not worthy of the kingdom of God. People will start off in their zeal of after a great service, and they're going to serve God. They're going to do this. They're going to do that. And, and they quit. They turn back. Why? Because nothing you do for God is comfortable. Hmm. Now, I really am going to ask you a question. Don't say amen or oh me. Don't shake your head. Don't. You can yawn or something. I mean, I, yawn will fit right in. That way, I'll think everything's going all right. God ever sit, called you and you knew that He had, but you started and you quit because you thought, when you thought, you thought, well, God's called me to do this. Glory, hallelujah, praise God. Here we go. And then you hit the wall the next day you found out it was very uncomfortable you found out that the red sea wasn't going to part just because you stood up that the angels wasn't going to sing and the red sea going to part and your enemies sit down and your family gets all on board and your friends understand and you quit so I'll ask you in that light who are we? Who are we? Hmm. Sam, help me. I really am asking you. Now, I don't know that you can answer me tonight or any, I don't know that you can answer me tonight. But I can keep asking. Who are we? Because for who God's called us to be, it's going to radically rearrange who we are, how we do things. It's going to affect your family. It's going to affect your schedule. It will affect your priorities. That's one thing you need to know. That there's one thing about living for God that has been lost and it's what makes J.R. seem like such the radical when he stands and preaches all the time. It's because we think... Just like, do you know that it was the same thing that when people, I'm going to follow you, Jesus. He says, well, come on. He said, he said, but just so you know, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but I don't have either one of those things. Do you still want to go with me? You know what he's saying? There's nothing, you know, that, that, that fox's hole is pretty comfortable for a fox. That bird's nest is pretty comfortable for a bird. I don't want to sleep in it, but a bird does. You know anything about a bird? Birds like, especially majestic birds like eagles, they, they, they line that dude with down. They build that structure to hold them big old babies when they get bigger, big stuff, and then line it with smaller stuff and get down all the way down. They, they pluck out their own down and fill that thing, and it's comfy. But as it becomes time to grow up, they start throwing the down out. Start pulling even the smaller stuff out. They get it, man, down to where if they stay in it too long, they're going to fall out between the logs. And if they still don't, you know, I don't even want to talk about how they teach their babies to fly. Because eagles, you know, they ride above the storm. They, They ride on the wind. 
You know how they learn that? They take them up there on their back. Shoot up above it on the currents. About the time they're enjoying the view, that mama, you know what she does? She goes. You ever ever watched them? We used to have dozens of them at the lake at Paris, and they would feed and dive, and they're, they're incredible. And they're boom. Fox. Nothing's different. Jesus, while he was talking to the people right then, he says, You want to follow me? Foxes have holes, birds have nests. But the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. That's no place of rest. You know what? He, 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 wasn't talking about, he wasn't talking about that he had to sleep on a rock every night. That wasn't what he was talking about. He was saying, there's no place of rest in my life. You know why? You know what the, you know what the rest is in him? His rest. And his comfort was doing the will of his Father. You know where the, where the rest for the believer is? It's come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. And what does it say? I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke, take my burden. He's not trying to saddle you down. He says, I'll carry it. I'll give you rest. If you want to follow me, you're not, he said, you're not, you're not, you're not going to find an easy, comfortable position because I don't have a, a burrow for you to get in or for a nest for you to ride out in. It's going to be all out from here on out. I'll follow you, but I need to go bury my dad first. That seems perfectly reasonable. You know what he, but I can tell you, he's telling you there's always going to be a reason not to go. Hear me, there's always going to be a reason. Boy, I'll even go radical and stay right with the scripture. It's ra- you know who was radical? I'll tell you who was radical. Jesus was radical. Instead of doing all those necessities for your family, is all you can think about, you'll never be able to follow me. Well, pastor, are you saying not to take care of a family? A man that does not take care of his family, the word says, is worse than an infidel. Jesus is not talking about not taking care of your family. He is talking about using your family and and your obligations to your family as an excuse for not following him. That's what he's talking about. Let the dead bury their dead. I'll follow you. He says, I tell you, you do. Once you set your hand to the plow, there's no turning back. Well, who are we going to be, church? Who are we going to be? I can't find a place to turn around or to take my hand off or a place to pull over. I can't find it. Well, I wrote it down yesterday. I don't think I wrote it down yesterday to help Paris this morning. Seeing that we're encompassed about by such a great cloud of witnesses. He's talking about the heroes of faith that he just listed. 
Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, Seeing that we are encompassed about by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. Do you know how easy it is? Everybody talks about the sin. The weight is mentioned first. The weight is mentioned first, which does so easily beset us, sets us back, stops us, gets us off track, keeps us from running. Do you know how easy it is? Easy. That's just so easily beset us. <coughs> and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Run with endurance. He's not talking about the 40-yard dash. He's talking about the long haul. You might be able to start off running with that backpack of everything you ever need if all you're going to run is 100 yards. But you're not going to run the long haul with it. There's things that if you're going to follow him, you're going to have to lay down. You're going to have to. We have believed a Christianity that doesn't require us to set anything aside. Well, ain't nothing wrong with that, preacher. No, there's nothing wrong with that unless it's turning you aside and taking you out of the race. Well, there's nothing. It isn't a sin to do this. It isn't a sin to do that. He didn't say it was a sin. He said it was a weight that would easily set you back. You know what? Weights become sin. Weights become sin. If you don't set them aside, well, one thing, there's a command to set them aside right there. Is there a command to set them aside? Church, is there a command to set them aside? There's a command to set them aside. When you refuse a command of God, what are you doing now? It's sin. To them who knows to do good and does it not, to him, it is sin. What is sin? Whatsoever is not a faith is sin. We believed, I believed. Can I say I believed? I bought into even, even a, you would be shocked to know that I have believed up some things up until a week ago. That I didn't have to lay that aside. Because when he asks you for everything, he asks you for everything. Well, preacher, you're preaching. You know what Americans think? You know why I talk about Americans? Because Americans are the problem. And Americans is who I pastor. And Americans is who influences the world. Let me tell you what Americans think. They, they, think, that, they think that the gospel is personal happiness. They think that the gospel is a life of recreation. And a hope of the sweet by and by. He's not looking for you to have a, a dull life. That nothing, I, I mean, my mother was certainly raised in a world where if you smiled, it was sin. I mean, it must have been worldly if it entertained you. No, that's an extreme. 
You know what? Well, there's another, there's other extreme. God will deal with you. But I'm going to tell you, whatever's keeping you from keeping your hand to the plow is a problem. Whatever's keeping this church from keeping its hand to the plow is a problem. Whatever keeps this pastor from keeping his hand to the plow is a problem. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. We live a life of joy, peace, patience, kindness, Faith, temperance, that don't sound bad. But we don't have time. We don't have time. There was the word of the Lord that came to the young people last night, and it's just as good for you as it is for them. It's just as good for you as it is for them. If you're not saved, full of the power of his spirit, in his word, and, and, and developed a prayer life, you, you, I told them, you're not qualified for extracurricular activity. You're not qualified to be on the ball team. You're not qualified to be in the band. You're not qualified to get a job after school. You're not qualified because you're going straight out into a world unequipped, unarmored, with no weapons. You're not qualified. But I'll tell you adults, if you're walking out the doors every day with no word in you, with no prayer life in you, with no spirit in you, you're not qualified for your job. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And I'll ask again. See, nothing. I want to tell you about now, by the way, nothing's comfortable. There's reasons why nothing's comfortable in this regard, because people get tired of hearing it. People hear, dis, dismiss you, the broken record, and all of those things. But the, the fact of the matter is, that is it remains true. Well, I don't have time for this, and I don't have, then you're too busy. I thought I was going to say this little thing right here for about two weeks from now, but here it is. I've worked all my life. I, I want to give my kids the world. And you know what, Matt? That's exactly what we've done. We've given them the world. But what profit a man to gain the whole world? And lose their soul. He told us to separate from the world, not give them the world. My wife would tell you, I don't turn my kids down for much. When they was little, smaller, I certainly didn't. Now they all got jobs. They better do some on their own. 
But if they need me, I'm there. My, she'll tell you, she, she likes to talk about how spoiled some of them are, but then I asked her at lunch, or I asked her out in the foyer today, I said, well, how much do I tell you no? And she said, not much. And you know why? Because I want to do for I'm not. I'm not talking about a heart that's not generous, that doesn't want to do. A Christian will be generous. A Christian will do what they, but I'm not out to give them the world. I'm out to get them to heaven. I'm out to, I'm not, I'm out to get them to, I'm out to, to take them with me. There's things I know, there's some things I preach because of my own shortcomings. Because of my own failures. You know what that's called? Wisdom. That's called wisdom. That's called, why am I going to let, keep letting it repeat? Hear me somebody. There are definitely things that are proclivities to family. You know why? Because families teach it to each other. That's why. Uncomfortable. Uncomfortable. Nothing's comfortable. But somebody has to stop it. Uh, Have I lost you? Well, I did that. I know. Somebody's got to stop it. Well, my, you know, my grandpa done that. My daddy done that. I I know. Somebody has got to stop it. If I can back up, there's things that would be a different priority for the ones I raised. And you know what? I raised them in church. I did. I raised them in church. But denominationalism would not take priority over the Word of God. Guilty. Oh, I might as well just cross that line. The assemblies of God is not the Word of God. And I put, talk about, talk about gets uncomfortable. I let people abuse my family. In the name of spiritual unity, because it came from the fellowship. You know what that is? Wrong. That's wrong. Who are we going to be? I got up for years and ironed clothes for kids and fixed them hot breakfast, me. But didn't take time to set them at the table and teach them the Word of God in the morning. I had time to cook sausage and bacon and biscuits and gravy and iron khakis with the, to, the, to perfection because all them other little punks running around Subiaco Academy look like they come out of the bottom of a clothes basket, but not my kid. You know why? Because I loved them and I did. But you know what I didn't do? I didn't, I let them leave the house without prayer. And without the Word of God. You know what I did? I delegated it. I mean, they heard me, they heard me teach, they heard me talk, but I delegated it to the church and we're doing the same thing. Am I still okay? Who are we going to be? Are we going to change it? We're going to do a thing about it. 
Because I know why people hear, because people that want to be offended hear things that are not said. That's a fact. People that want to be offended or want to be defensive even, they hear things that are not said, and they just turn you off. They either get mad and saw up, or they just turn you off. They don't listen to you. They listen, they, they'll listen to the rest of it, but I'm turning that off. There is no way to raise a child in everything and expect them to come out spiritual. You don't understand what I'm saying. You can't play every sport and be involved in every activity and at everything the school offers and at everything that you can, every form of recreation you can find. You can't, it doesn't say you can't have anything. When, there, when there's so much of everything that you can't give them what matters, you've lost. You haven't, you haven't been, you, we haven't done a good job. I can't, now I'm going to talk, talk about our kids a minute. I'm telling you, even though it's uncomfortable, even though we're, you're probably tired, this is building, this will build, I'm telling you, Matt, this is, the kind, this is what will build a solid church and a solid people in the season that we are in, when the storms do blow, when the wind does howl, when the rain does come, that you're not going to be sitting, you're not going to be trying to figure out if you want to live or die. You're not going to be able to, you're not going to try to, you're not going to be hopeless even if you have nothing because you know that, if, that our hope is not in this stuff. Doesn't mean, hear, hear me adults, and particularly, you know, y'all don't know that y'all are different, do you? I'm going to get up here and put a little separation between me. They usually like to be closer, but I, I'm going to put some metal between me. This thing's got some weight to it, if you don't know that. If you don't believe it, stand right there. I'll show you. It's got some weight to it. Y'all think y'all are normal in this area. Y'all don't know that the average income in this area is twice what it is everywhere else in the nation. Y'all don't, don't even know that. Y'all just think you're normal. Am I right or wrong? I'm right. <laughs> you think you're normal. Everyday Joe... Even Joe Sanchez is not everyday Joe. He's Joey Sanchez, Orange, Texas. Yeah, you're right. You don't even know you're not normal. And there's a reason I'm saying that. And I'm going to speak from experience again. You cannot do everything that you can afford just because you can afford it. Oh, Andrea, I don't know if I've ever heard a preacher say that in my entire life. But it's still true. You cannot do and go and be and buy and participate in everything you can afford just because you can afford it. Because what it's going to do, it's going to consume your life. It's going to consume your energy. It's going to consume your income. And it's going to become your God. Just because you can doesn't mean that you 
should. It doesn't take long for that to become a meocracy. Who are we going to be? Who are we going to be? Because it's time to pray. I don't mean literally on Sunday night. It is time to pray. But it's time to pray. It's time to pray. There's decisions to be made. Not by me. You know, you I don't know if y'all know, but I'm making this, I'm having to make this decision day by day, hour by hour, service by service, pulpit. I have to make a, talk to Paris about it. I said, I get mad sometimes because most of the time I don't get to have a shout in the message. Not all the time at least. But I ask you, turn on the news. And then open your Bible and lay it beside. I got to ask you, is it a time for shout? Are we in the season of shout? I don't think we're in the season of shout. I think we're in the, I think we're in the season of shut up. What would that be? You know, like when they were facing the walls of Jericho. And he says, don't say a word. Just walk around it. Some of you ought to be out there on your property before the sun breaks, just walking around it. You want your, you want your family to have everything? Wake up before the dawn and go walk out and talk to the King of Kings. And I'm not talking about coming out there to tell him your wish list. Your wish list has a place. No, your wish list doesn't have a place. I should rephrase. Your, your wish list doesn't have a place. Hmm. Your needs, your needs have a place. I don't know what to say. You know, I thought for a while I was kind of crazy. Because a lot of my prayer became about telling him how wonderful he was and how much I need him. And I don't mean to eavesdrop on anybody's prayer life, but I watched a man I highly respect last week come in at odd times and weird times, and I'd find old Dean Caldwell walking around the hall somewhere or hear him around the corner. Or hear him in here, carrying him coming down the hall with his face with his face to the ground like this. You know what I heard a whole lot of? Oh God, you're worthy of my praise. Oh God, I need you like never before. Oh God, would you help me? Oh God, have your way. Oh God. I need you. Oh, God, I love you. Oh, God, give me a word for these people. 
Oh, God. Oh, God. Sometimes, oh, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. I love you. People think it's fancy. It ain't fancy. It ain't fancy. It's real. It's real. You know what the most important thing I ever learned about me and my relationship with God is I need him. And I don't know what to do. But even when I think I know what to do, I don't know what to do. Unless he told me what to do. Hello? Who are we going to be? 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 So we come to pray tonight. Who are we going to be? Foxes have holes. Birds have nests. Son of man doesn't have any place to lay his head. You know what I'm looking for? As you're coming, I'll wait till you get here before I tell you. I'm lo- you know what, I, what I, I'm looking for? What my heart longs for, Jeff. I think there's a lot of people that think I want to go back to, to hairpins. And cheap suits. Never did like a cheap suit. I think there's people that think... That I want people to run around the building and shout and scream every service. There's a place for that. There's a place for that. But you know what? That's not what I'm looking for. It's not what I'm praying for. It's what I'm hoping. It's not what I'm longing for, Scott. You know what we need worse than any of that? It's what I keep preaching to you. I don't, it's going to break through one of these. It's going to break through one of these days. I'm looking for the place when people wake up, see where we're at. And there's a cry of anguish that hits the church. That always preceded anything extraordinary that God has ever done.